This morning's reading comes from page 862 of the Pew Bible. It's from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 18 to 27. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know all creation has been groaning as in the, the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look and want for something we don't yet have, we must, patient, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. May this reading be a blessing to us all as we hear the message based on it. And so I'm really enjoying how uh, Alistair is bringing us this book of Romans verse for, by verse, really. Uh, and that's exciting because otherwise we might go home, we read from the title and go through and read it as a big uh, amount and not pick up these little details in between. But also I encourage you not just to come and listen to the few verses each week, but then to go home and read the entirety of it too. Read the chapter, read the other chapters too. So that's why um, while we focus on verses 23 to 25 today, I've got Roger to read what Alistair focused on last time and a few of the verses he will focus on this coming time. But the key links between them is this word of groaning. Um, we heard that creation groans for the longing to be back uh, in the fullness of God's um, fellowship. And this week, the verses 23 to 25 focus on the Christian groaning, uh, longing to be back in the fullness of fellowship with God. And then we will find next week that the um, Holy Spirit intercedes for us uh, on our behalf. So two things which we find in this, um, in this message. One is this longing for us to be in fullness of fellowship with God. The second one is that God desires to have that fullness of fellowship with us again. Okay, that's his longing. When you think of Eura and Dennis, they were longing for their family to be together again. 
Um, and uh, the word up there was adopted uh, in about verse 24. Well, God's adopting us as full children of his. And so that's exciting for us to know. And we have this hope because God has given us the Holy Spirit at this present time to be living in us for um, longing for that time when we will come into eternity with him in his full presence. And he's always planned for this. So I want to show you some quick little um, images which show that. Um, from the beginning, in creation, beginning of creation, and when God created the Garden of Eden, he created a place, a most holy of holy places, where man and God were like face to face. They fellowshiped directly with one another. And then sin came, and God had to put a barrier up from his holiness to separate all that was not of him, the sin. And the cherubim were there to protect or guard the way for mankind back to the tree of life. And they were cast out beyond the garden. So there's a structure where the most holy of places, where we fellowship face to face with God in the center, but there's a barrier. And yet God didn't just forget about us then. And throughout history, we see him doing this and showing a, a structure again and again. So the Israelites um, in, the, uh, in the wilderness, God told them to build a tabernacle. And in the center of their camp was the most holy of holy places. And then we had the inner court, outer court, and we had the camp. And anything which was unclean or sinful was cast out into the wilderness. A similar thing with the, um, the temple too. Interesting to note that where you've got the cherubim guarding uh, the Garden of Eden, here in the tabernacle you've got in the most holy, holy places, the Ark of the Covenant. And on the lid or the mercy seat, you've got a cherubim off either side, sort of guarding that center place where God was dwelling. And in this temple, uh, the decorations around it were uh, decorations of trees, beautiful trees and fruit, resembling the Garden of Eden. This reminding of us of God's fellowship with us and wanting to be complete and full. Sometimes you see these uh, circular um, structures in a different way. We see uh, how sin has caused a chasm between man and God. Okay, there's that barrier in between. Um, and there's only one way to move from man to over to God. There's only one way we can have that complete fellowship, and that is through Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God, and his death on the cross. There is no other way we can have that fullness and fellowship with God, uh, but Jesus has made a way. Isn't it amazing? And then today, he also um, shows the same structure that he longs to have a fullness and relationship and fellowship with us too. And that is by making our temples, uh, our bodies, a temple for the Holy Spirit, his own being living within us. And there in these jars of clay, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as a a pledge or a down payment, a personal covenant from God saying, there is a time when I'm going to have full fellowship with you again, with nothing getting in the way. And so because we know our, our bodies are a temple for the Holy Spirit, we try and get rid of casting away all the things which aren't of God, the sin in our lives, the things which break um, down that relationship. Paul had the same problem. 
He even talks about it in chapter uh, seven, uh, 7, uh, just prior to chapter 8 here, we've got him uh, saying this, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. You can hear his frustration, and maybe you, like me, um, have that same frustration when we want to serve God with our whole hearts, but things get in the way, we, we muck it up. And yet, God will not let us go. Paul also talks about how in this life we, we look at serving God and bringing that fellowship together. And he says in his letter to Corinthians, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. That's not trying to praise himself up, but he's saying that no matter what comes, we will look at serving God and joining in closer fellowship with him. Through glory and dishonor, through bad report and good report. Sometimes the, um, the community might say something about St. Andrew's Church. And uh, it might be good or it might be bad. It might be wrong, it might be right. And genuine. You know, we long to be serving God, yet regarded as imposters. When someone might say, oh, all Christians are hypocrites. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Living as aliens in this world. Dying and yet we live on. Beaten and yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. And this is our hope that we have. I talked uh, earlier in the year about um, how our attitude to hope can sometimes sound a little bit wrong. It almost focuses on our doubt. So I've said things like, you know, I hope uh, it doesn't rain for the picnic. But in our minds we're sort of thinking, but it probably will. I hope that um, we get there on time, but we're thinking we probably won't. I hope Jason doesn't go on too long, and I'll let you fill in the dots. Um, but that hope, uh, what I'm trying to do myself is thinking about how about I change the, my syntactical approach when I say, talk about hope. Rather than saying, I hope, I say, my hope is that God heals you today. My hope is that you'll come to knowing God even more day by day. And just that it might not be much, but that little change in personal pronoun, I think, allows me to think about how I can strengthen and deliberately focus on hope rather than it just being dormant. So I challenge you to that too, to consider that. We live uh, in a time when we've got so many challenges out there, and yet we have this faith that Jesus has saved us that God is looking at not just a relationship here, he hasn't forgotten us, but he's actually bringing us into a full relationship one day. And it reminds us, just as Joy mentioned, about that God must have a purpose for each one of us. We were born for such a time as this, just as Eura and Dennis and the others were too. And if this is the case, then what does it mean for the church? If we are individually called and loved by God, then together as a church, as living stones, filled with the same Holy Spirit, what is God calling us to do? Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you. I thank you for the stories we've heard about families and children and the work that you are doing in Russia. And I thank you, Lord, when we consider what you are doing in this country in this community, Geordine, 
and even in this church. Lord, I pray today, help us to long more and more for that fellowship, the fullness of fellowship with you, knowing that you have given us your Holy Spirit, knowing that you're revealing us to you day by day and desiring to um, draw us closer to you. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.